0: Hey guys, this is Enrika Jang with Red Stylo Media and you are listening to Adrian King and Adrian has issues.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to Adrian Has Issues. Today's episode features not one but two returning guests. Artist Emily Pearson first appeared on episode 116 along with writer VDA to talk about their critically acclaimed comic The Wilds, which if you've listened to this podcast within the last I would say six months you've probably heard me raving about it. It's so damn good. And my other guest is Pat Shand, who first appeared on episode one eighteen to discuss the Kickstarter for Prison Witch. And they are back and have teamed up to tell an exhilarating tale of high fashion and crime with their new books, not Flash Hustle from Black Mask. So please welcome Emily Pearson, Pat Shand. Welcome back. How's everybody doing?
2: Good, okay, good. I was gonna say the exact same thing. I was I, I said good, good, how are you? We're on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Starting out easy. synchronized.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, i was just saying prior to the show i mean you two have really been going full throttle with the press on this so i'd imagine at this point you probably have it down to like a science
0: yeah <laughs> i think you get very comfortable with it after a while
2: <laughs> absolutely i mean yeah this is the most press i've ever done for a book you know um we've been doing an average of about four podcasts per week but today we're doing three total uh which is the most i've ever done ever but no, it does absolutely just start to come naturally. You know, it's um, you just get used to talking about it.
1: You do have really been going out of your way to let people know about this book because marketing and advertising, I know they're, they sound like ugly words, but they're super important. So, I mean, hopefully my experience won't be too terrible compared to everyone else.
2: <laughs> no, you, you're going to do a great job. Let's start out strong.
1: Yeah, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. So <laughs> <laughs> when Emily first sent me the word that you two were doing a book together, I was already just sold alone. But then, as always, just doing the research and kind of figuring out what the book was about. And then the name alone, I thought was really fun. So, you know, at what point did you two decide we need to like make this happen?
2: It was a desire to collaborate first. I think that what happened was I sent Emily a bunch of ideas, just very basic kernels, and um, both of us wanted to do this one, though. You know, there was never um, maybe this, maybe this. It was pretty much from the early stages of the conversation. We pretty much focused uh, full speed ahead on Snap Flash Hustle. We didn't have a title for a while. It was just, like, untitled model drug thing, you know? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, but yeah, I mean, the title just kind of, like, struck me, like, right before we pitched. It was just a very fluid process, you know? We both wanted to work with each other. I think what happened was that I saw Emily's art. I really wanted to work with her, but before I could even uh, be like, hey, Emily, would you work with me? I I got a DM from Emily asking to work with me, and I was like, oh, shit.
1: (laughs) That's kind of (laughs) scary.
2: I think it's obvious uh, how Emily's art stands out. So the fact that Emily wanted to work with me, I was like, absolutely, let's do this. Let's waste no time. Let's just get down to this, you know?
1: From our conversation in that episode with Vita, I really couldn't stop thinking about how—and it sounds very hyperbolic, and I'm people have said this before, but regarding Emily's art, you know, and to you, like, I've never seen anything quite like your work before— So I I think in telling this type of story, it fits so well. So Emily, I don't know if you had any really insight into your approach and your style and how it went from something like, let's say, floral horror to now drawing a book dealing so very heavily with the fashion industry.
0: Pat's going to compliment me a lot in this whole time. Every time we go on a podcast, he has something nice to say. But for Snap Flash Hustle, I feel like a big difference between this book in the wilds is this is a lot of stuff I feel very very comfortable drawing like you know bunch of faces and people and fashion and that stuff I'm really into and I really liked working on the wilds and it was it was really great to draw like the apocalypse setting so there's a lot of things I enjoyed about it but I think this book plays to a bit more of my strengths instead of learning and getting better at the stuff that I need to practice on, it's already most of the stuff that I feel comfortable drawing. So it's it's kinda nice to see.
1: This is something that I'm sure you probably get a lot, but you know, you almost make it look so effortless considering the preview pages that have come up and seeing, you know, the character sketches. So it it just looks like something that I'm sure like anything else takes a lot of work. But again it's taking the same color and vibrancy, but putting it in a different setting, I thought was just really eye catching. Thanks.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, I think it definitely fits really well with the setting for Snap Flash Hustle. I feel like the colors for the book, but also kind of like the line art style where it's clean and it's kind of simple. So I, I feel like it, it fits pretty snugly.
1: <laughs> yeah, because it's like clean, it's bright, but it still has like this distinct level of grittiness to it still
0: Mm, yeah which
1: i don't know if that's necessarily what you intended but you know also considering the story which we'll get into in a moment i feel like it's the perfect fit for that that's
0: what i was going for so it (laughs) makes me happy (laughs) to hear that
1: so which brings me to the next question then now that you knew that you want to collaborate on something what was the inspiration on telling this particular story
2: oh man you know uh it's kind of hard to think back to the um the actual core inspiration because it just comes from me drawing from different aspects of life, different ideas, but w- one of the main ideas was that um my wife Amy is an art model. I would go with her to these shoots and it's quite the world. You know, it's uh there are a lot of individual experiences in this world that I think that the average person isn't quite aware of. I kind of mix that idea up with just a co- sort of financial horror. Because, you know, the scariest thing that isn't a fucking, like, l- little ghost trying to kill you is the idea of ruining your family by not having any money. It's also about just freelancing and the pitfalls of freelancing. And um, it's it's kind of like a fable about um, the comics industry and the uh, lack of payment, late payment, uh, put through the lens of instead of comics, just modeling. And the drugs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Because something I know about your work, you know, between, let's say, Prison Witch and Breathless, you know, you always find a way to infuse social commentary in your work. And that's also kind of ballsy, really, if you think about it, because if I know anything about any sort of creative industry, it's hard to talk about the finances of it. So was there any challenges in telling my story and maybe wondering if it was maybe saying a little too much or maybe even not enough?
2: In the past, I would have thought so, but not not anymore. I used to be scared of the comics industry. I was scared that if I spoke about payments and and how how poorly creators are treated by this industry, that comics publishers won't work with me. And the fact is that that's true. But what's changed is I don't give a fuck anymore. If someone doesn't want to work with me because I want money for my work then fuck them. you know. I'll just work with someone who wants to respect me for the work that I put out. And I think that if more creators operated that way, it'll be a different industry. And I think that that's true of uh, the creative business in general.
1: It's funny you should say that because I was just reading prior to starting the show. Um, it was a very long, very detailed article. I mean, it was made based about video games from uh, Kotaku regarding the um, Red Dead Redemption 2 development cycle and the employees and some of them have been very forthcoming telling stories about the hours they've worked versus you know that idea that they didn't have to work these many hours have to work all this overtime but if they didn't you know they wouldn't receive bonuses or they you know there was a sort of culture where it was encouraged to pretty much work almost non-stop on this game and it was really eye-opening And not because of a, oh, I never thought this would happen, but almost like a, I'm not surprised kind of way. And it was really sad, not only just from the stories that were being told, but also just my reaction, because it just seems so just true to life and from what little I've heard from people in a lot of creative industries that it seems too commonplace.
2: Well, the truth is that my opinion on that situation specifically, I don't feel like it aligns with what's being said a lot the truth is that um i work that hard literally every week i think that most comics creators do and most people in the creative industry does so for us to act and i'm not saying that you are but just the general reaction has been like (gasps) you know (laughs) it's kind of crazy to me as someone who does this shit every week that people (laughs) are reacting this way and i think that that that's definitely a symptom of like how we're working too hard and stuff but um if I worked less hard than this, if we worked less hard than this, we we, we wouldn't have the content that we put out, you know? Because um, the truth is, as a writer, you can only get a certain amount of money per project, and there's only a certain amount of money available in these creative industries. So if you don't work a certain amount of hours, you're not going to be able to make a career in that industry. So the simple truth is that... It's a choice, you know, like I can choose instead of what I'm doing to have a different job, to be at an administrative assistant. I could do, I could, um, be a manager at the Bristol assisted living where my mom worked, she, she would have definitely gotten me a job where I, I could make sure that old people were getting their medication on time and I'll be fulfilled in a different way. But the truth is that I made a compromise and we all make compromises to work in a creative industry. So my complaints about this industry are more about less about how much work is being done and, and how much of our lives were compromising and more of, Look at how much work I'm doing. Pay me for what I already did, you know?
1: It's a phrase I hear all the time, you know, it's like, know your value, know your worth. And that's tough because for so many people, and now with the industry changing and there's so many new faces and so many people I feel like are willing to just put their foot down and say, look, I've done X amount of work and I deserve this amount. And I don't think that's necessarily overstating or being a title. It's like, no, you put a lot of time into this, Emily put in a lot of time, and everybody in the creative process on this book put a lot of time. So, you know, it's the creators deserve to be compensated,
2: absolutely.
0: Yeah, I will say though, I kind of disagree with Pat in some of the ways of the, the other situation. About like the thing is, like working a hundred hour weeks, if you can do it and you can enjoy it, that's that's great, that's good for you. But like putting yourself in a place where you're forced to do that and you have to do it week after week for a company that, that's supposed to be paying you benefits and everything like that. That's kind of, that's kind of ridiculous. It's like I'm talking specifically about um the situation with like rockstar and everything. If a comic book publisher had me go into an office <laughs> and work a hundred hour weeks, I would be out so fast. I would never do that. So I think it also just depends on like who you are. If you really enjoy working that much, that's like more power to you, but I don't think anyone else, anyone should really be forced into a situation like that.
2: I actually a hundred percent agree with you. The thing is that these people aren't being forced to work there. Is my take? You know, I, I think that if someone like is being forced to do a certain job, then uh, then of course that's wrong. But this kind of makes me think back to. Um, A a couple of years ago, there was this whole thing. It was back when I was working retail. Everyone was online talking about, don't support places that are open on Thanksgiving. They're forcing the retail workers to work. And I was just at Starbucks making mad tips, making double time (laughs) with, with all my friends who chose to work there. We were able to choose our slots. And I know that isn't the case for everybody, but I just definitely feel that there is a culture that tries to sometimes defend people who don't want to be defended. And as someone who relates to both the people who do work holidays and the creatives who are definitely overworked, I want to be doing that. So I just want to think of it as like a, a nuanced thing where if someone wants to do that, I don't want to say, you know what, you, you worked hour a 100-hour week, so I'm not going to buy this game that you put all your blood, sweat, and tears in. You know? <laughs> you know, because, like, that, that, that...
1: Well, it definitely wasn't or, saying that, per se. No, 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 no. But I understand what you're getting at, Yeah, though.
2: no, I'm, I'm not saying you. I'm just, like, making a point about that situation in general and how it relates to the, the uh, comics industry, because the truth is that um, if people knew what they knew about publishers in general, they wouldn't support the publishers because pu- publishers, in general, are equally as bad, largely as that company is toward Creators, Um, and that company being Rockstar. And if people knew all the details, they, they would boycott all the companies, and, and, and we'd have no job, you know? And I just want to think of it in that nuanced way where the fact is that, in my opinion, creative industries... Are so close to not existing that I kind of just am so scared when people just openly critique something in mass when there might be creators who want to be doing that extra work. And I know that, that that's not a popular opinion. I know that most creators might not want to do the extra work, but I'm just trying to think of everyone in this situation and and look at each of them with empathy.
1: Right, and it is definitely like a multi-layered, multi-faceted argument because, like you said, there are some that can, there might be some that necessarily don't have that luxury. But from what I had gathered was, for those that could and did, for whatever the reason may be, you know, it's kind of like treated as if that's the norm. So, you know, there was an anecdote where someone talked about where, you know, they had worked, you know, for so many hours and they left, but yet there was almost like a a shaming So it's difficult to be sort of treated as if, you know, working a certain amount of time and getting so much payment is the norm.
2: Oh, no, I I 100% agree. I do.
1: Which I'd imagine plays a little bit, I mean, outside of the realm of video games, but even into the story, which then, um, well, let's actually go into some of our major players in this as far as what they're going through.
2: Haley's our main character. She is sort of are our, our looking to both of these worlds, th- these worlds being the modeling world and the drug world. Uh, she starts out as a freelance alt model who's trying to do this full time. And the truth is that she's having hard a hard time getting paid at all. She'll go on these photo shoots with, with an understanding that she'll get paid. And then at the end, she'll discover that actually she'll get paid if the shoot is accepted by a magazine, which is just a chance, you know, so she'll do all this work, On the possibility of getting paid in the future, she has subscription platforms, like she has a Patreon, she has a paid Snapchat, she's trying to make her career work in all these multifaceted ways. And um, it's it's consumed her life, you know, she finds herself uh, sort of pulled at all ends trying to just do her art as a creator but also support her family because um she is in a family of artists um she is in a polyamorous throuple type situation uh she's married uh to this man named jamie who is an actor who's trying to make money that way. Uh, Their their girlfriend, Pauline, currently has no job. She has aspirations of being a podcast host, you know? And uh, (laughs) so so you have this trio of people living in New York City, each of them trying to make a living off of their art, and each of them struggling very much. And Haley's uh, sort of a... depending on how you see it, descent or ascent into the drug world through this company that uses modeling and social media as a means by which to hide their business in plain sight. Uh, Her involvement in this business and turning her, her art of modeling into money in a less than legal way is her journey here. She, she tries to navigate the morality of it. She, she asks herself, am I actually making a living off of my art? Am I still an artist, or am I now a drug kingpin? You know, and um, her her journey in trying to maintain her humanity while essentially monetizing uh, people's sicknesses, their addiction, is definitely um a point of contention for her.
1: Who's next up on the roster?
0: Coral is one of those models that works for the drug cartel. She kind of has a business part in it, but not as much as you know some of the other characters like Drew. She's very scary in some ways. And if you read the comic, you kind of see what I mean, where you don't know if you can trust her or not. And this kind of goes back and forth between it. Yeah, she's very, very extra. She is, um, <laughs> she's very pink. Yeah, she kind of is the one that introduces Haley to the rest of the world, I'd say. She, um, probably the person that kind of brought Haley into all the situations and all the things she experiences later in the book.
2: Yeah. She's definitely a a catalyst and I love when you call her extra. That's, that's so true. You know, um, yeah, (laughs) she, uh, she, she's definitely very petty. You know, she, um, creates these, uh, massive complicated schemes in order to, to achieve very, very small minded goals. Especially her journey in the second issue, she has this plan that she carries out, and it's a very subtly done, intricate plan. And, and when you see why she did it, uh, I, I think it's gonna. <laughs> <So good. laughs> I, 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 I think it's gonna definitely shed some light on, on who who this person is.
1: She's, she's very, very petty. I love it. <laughs> Excited you are about just how petty she is. <laughs> So as far as like the drug angle, did that come from a particular story or is that just an added layer to this?
2: It's so hard to think back and just try to chase the kernel of idea, you know, because it's, um, it's definitely a way to explore character and to, um, kind of, uh, push people into extreme situations and see who they become. But the truth is that the idea came to me pretty fully formed. You know, it's one of those things where, um, I usually sometimes have to be like, all right. What makes this story not just a drama? What elevates it to to, to the next level? How do we sell this? But with Snap Flash, also the the idea about um who who these people were and what they were doing did come kind of at once. It was uh kind of the reverse of how it normally is for me. You know, we had the very basic concept, and then Emily designed the characters from who she wanted to draw, I believe. And then I kind of like met the characters through seeing who Emily drew and uh, thought up their stories, thought up um, who they were in relation to one another, and just kind of put them into this concept. When uh, normally for me, the concept kind of comes after character. But yeah, with this one, it came together very, very fluidly.
1: Which is an interesting parallel then, because I know you sort of dealt with, uh, not necessarily, you know, illicit drugs, but also legal drugs and your book, Breathless. So I, you know, I kind of was like drawing some parallels there. That's like, oh, that's kind of an interesting little, you know, side note, because, you know, dealing from it from a pharmaceutical aspect, you know, versus models who are now selling stuff on the low. And I thought the other interesting angle too was, as opposed to, like, let's say, a Breaking Bad, where it's like, all right, well, they're cooking meth out of, you know, the factory of like this uh, chicken restaurant. Like, all right, or using social media.
2: I, I mean, actually, to uh, to piggyback off of where you started about the the Breathless connection, um, I didn't think of that till after, but but it's true, you know, both Breathless and Snap Flash Hustle are about drugs, you know, but Breathless just being about government sponsored drugs and um, Snap Flash Hustle being about illegal street drugs, you know, uh, but. I guess if you think about it, uh, the girls in Snap Flash Hustle, they're definitely criminals. But who is a more fucking notorious gangster than the government selling those pharmaceutical drugs to us? You know, what industry is more designed to break us down than that industry? You know, And yeah, I guess there is a connection there The Breathless was about how the government dehumanizes us and turns us into monsters by making us pay to live. And Snapflash Hustle is more about humanizing and uh trying to understand the people who sell a different kind of drug. And I mean to to me, if you look at who's worse, like say a Haley or a coral from Snapflash Hustle, or the people who make um the price of asthma medication or AIDS medication in Breathless. And in the real life, so expensive to me, I would put my life in the drug dealer's hands any fucking day. The drug angle, it's more of a catalyst to see who, who the characters are. You know, it's, um, the, the business itself that de- definitely does work. You know, I put a lot of work into making sure that this kind of a business actually could happen. So, um, I mean, there, there are so many books where you just, um, have a kind of high concept where, it's never explained really how the concept functions or how, how a business works, how, how a character makes money in a uh, step life hustle. The idea is that this business could work, you know, I mean, now that we've done it, I hope that no one does do it, but I, <laughs> Wait, uh,
1: disclaimer, uh, the views expressed by, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the thing is part of what made me interested in this. And I talked about this a bit before is about how, um, no one really gets how people make money online. If you take, say, someone who's famous on YouTube, like a, a PewDiePie or a Jenna Marbles or a or a fucking Logan Paul, you know, no one really can understand how they make their money. Is it through sponsorships? Is it through, uh, branding deals, YouTube views? You know, there's so much that goes into it and it's all based on new media, this ever changing thing that we don't understand yet. And that's going to be very hard to quantify. So I thought, what better means by which to launder some money? You know, like people um, have had businesses like a bowling alley or a bakery to launder money. And I'm just wondering your bakery is making millions of dollars per year, per month. You know, I don't know about that one, but how about an, an industry <laughs> that no one understands like a famous Instagram model who has a million plus followers. That person in real life is rich. We just don't know how rich yet. We don't understand how they're able to make that money yet. So I thought it was a pretty perfect business to work as a uh, means to hide money coming in and sort of use it as a front for a drug business.
1: <laughs> that's incredible. So I don't know if, uh, Emily, if you had anything to kind of tack on to that because, I mean, they, I think that's kind of an interesting story because now you, on the other side of things, I, I would almost argue that in order to sort of tell that story, you kind of have to get at least not necessarily in that exact mindset, but meet your characters at ground level and figure out, okay, what are your real motivations because then you're like, oh man, like d- does it ever get that bad as far as like you know that desperation to make it versus you know <laughs> to going to this extreme?
0: <laughs> it's funny as funny you say that because we were sending this to um, to our peers for peer review recently. And I got so many messages from other comic book creators being like, dude, I would maybe do this if this was me. <laughs> like,
2: wow. <I> would probably...
0: <laughs> it's like, It's like, oh, Dane. <laughs>
2: wait, wait, just, wait. I did not know that. Who said that? That's amazing.
0: I, I can't say who said that. <laughs> I that, that
2: that's, um, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's
0: <laughs> great. <laughs> um, it's just relatable in that way that everybody... Or not everybody, but a lot of people have gone through that before, where they're dealing with money in some sort of way, either debt or um, just trying to make ends meet. And it's just, this this character is provided with a, a very, a very simple way of making money. And it, it's really hard for her to say no to it, because it just basically solved all the problems she's having.
1: And I'd imagine there's, like, that line where, as cliche as it sounds, you know, you're trying to kind of show these characters in a very real way of being, like, this is the steps that someone could go through in that rush to, like I said, not only just necessarily, quote-unquote, make it, but just also survive. But also in a way where you're not super glorifying it, but also not coming off, like, a back-to-school special. You know, just stating a very matter-of-fact, like, this is what it is.
0: Yeah, I think, like... I think something Pat does that's really great about this comic. It, it's not biased in its morals. It doesn't side with what is doing or side against it. It's just kind of laying it out there and you can kind of
1: take it how you want to. Exactly. So something I also want to talk about, of course, is, you know, fleshing out the creative team. You're know, between your letter and also, like, you know, some of the variants I've seen. So I don't know if you want to get into a little bit more of some of the uh, other personnel that are working on this book
2: the coolest thing about the book so far is that um, we have art and colors from Emily and if you've seen how it looks it's very, very, very unique. It's very beautiful. And I think um, that the way that Emily's colors complement her artwork and complete it it shows a a level of control that I think it would be hard for any artist to have if they were doing just, just say, pencils or even pencils and inks and having someone else color it. It feels like a very cohesive uh, world, almost as if I couldn't even imagine it if someone else colored it. You know, it's um, it's very uniquely Emily, and I think that that's why it's going to be so great. Is because, yeah, I I couldn't imagine it any other way. It's the exact perfect way it should look. It's one of those things where um, there are some books where I have a bunch of notes for the artist, and it's not a bad thing. You know, I just oh, I I tend to collaborate in a very um very uh say what you need to say kind of way. You know, if um I feel that something doesn't look as good as it should be, I do have the conversation with the artist like, Oh yeah, can can we tweak this? What if this? But with Snapflash hustle, uh when the art comes to me, I'm kinda like, holy shit, you know, like this is this is just what it needs to be. And I think that um, when people see the book and see it, especially, especially in person, because Black Mask, um, and this is some like super inside baseball geek shit, but Black Mask, <laughs> uh, they print their number one issues on a thicker, very like velvety paper stock.
1: Oh, and the artwork's going to pop like hell on that. Shit's
2: going to be crazy. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, Um, b- besides the art team pretty much being us, we do have uh, Jim Campbell. He is my letterer extraordinaire. He works on almost every book that I'm working on, period. He's an amazing letterer. I couldn't have pictured doing this with anyone else on the lettering front. Um, and uh, the, the only other real collaboration we have on this book, I mean, besides Matt Pizzolo is our producer here. He's overseeing the whole, the whole thing. Uh, on the first issue, we were able to have some awesome variant covers. We had a variant cover, uh, by two artists that, um, I'll speak for the both of us. We both admire quite, quite a bit. Lisa Sterl and, uh, Jen St. Ange.
1: Yeah. Oh, very cool. Fantastic. Huge fan of Jen, by the way. Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: Absolutely.
0: They did incredible jobs on both of their covers. Um, i'm not gonna lie i got a little bit jealous (laughs) i was like this is so good um i think i think that's basically the whole theme. we might have someone do like the finishing afterwards but i don't i don't think we're gonna know who that is till that book comes out so um
2: oh yeah yeah. probably phil i'd say i I think phil tends to do that yeah
1: I can't stress enough the artwork and I really just dig the colors on this. I mean, the artwork, especially, and, you know, from, from our last conversation, you know, you do all this digitally, right?
0: Yeah. So the way I do the color is, is um, it kind of looks that way because I do uh, color washes first. So I'll do kind of like, um, if you guys are familiar with what an underpainting is, I'll start with that and then I'll basically just do uh, kind of like, painted flats on top which is kind of weird thing to say but it's just basically flat colors with painted faces or painted parts and it's really easy it's really simple it's kind of the only way i know how to color but it's very fun if you guys have ever read paper girls before the way that matt wilson does the colors on it that's Kind of similar to what I do, except I think he does it, like, a uh, color wash, and then he does the flots over it. And I think that's kind of it for a comic. And I, I noodle a little bit too much, and I, I, got, I kind of obsess over it probably a lot more than he does. But, yeah, it's the same sort of process that I do.
1: We didn't even talk about the release date, so um, when is this dropping?
0: November 28th is the release date for issue one. And then I think issues two and three are available for pre-order right now.
2: Can I hijack and ask you a question, Emily?
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> no,
2: hijack away, <laughs> if please. It's okay with Adrian. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, have you colored over anyone else's lines ever?
0: No, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't think I could, because I don't. <sighs> the thing is, I'm not... I don't think I'm doing this right.
2: <laughs> I um. No, oh, no, come on. There's No, 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 no. <laughs> seriously.
0: I don't know anything about Photoshop. Everything I do for, for digital art is like things I learned in like painting class. <laughs> so like, I, <laughs> if I had to like color underneath someone's line and it was like traditional, I'd be like, what the hell is going on? Like I'm just painting <laughs> over the lines. Like it's not working.
2: I I hear you, but you know what? It's interesting that you say um that you quote unquote don't know what you're doing. Maybe that's why it looks so unique and so good in that it's not you know, it's not informed by what like so-and-so is doing, you know, it doesn't seem as if it's following the trends of color. It seems like it's like doing something entirely different. And I, I think, um, and it it sounds funny that that I'm like pushing my own books so hard from, (laughs) from, from a perspective that isn't the story. Um, but the truth is that I do think that, as soon as someone sees this, they're gonna be like, "Whoa, this is this is different, you know? This is really, really unique." So, um, so yeah, I mean, I was just curious to see if you'd ever tried that over someone else's lines, because I was just trying to picture it, and I think it would look amazing. It's just um that it's so it's so ma- it's so married to your art style that it just looks perfect as is. So, I I, I was curious to see if it could be done on, on someone else's lines.
0: Yeah, maybe I've talked to you, um on a congus before and we've both we both really want to try
1: coloring each other's work.
2: Oh shit. That would be (laughs) a yo,
1: you should do that. You should do that. (laughs) And it's you know, I don't know, but I feel like that's gotta be something like, you have to kind of make a thing of that. And not in a, like, super exploitive way, but I almost feel like that should be, like, a live drawing. Like, someone just needs to see that happen, because I feel like it could be done. But, I mean, granted, that's an outsider's perspective, so maybe I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to be the one coloring anything, but I think it would be a really cool challenge, and I, I think it would be really fun to see just that process. You know, it's like, you have your very distant art, but I don't see why not. Let's do this. just
0: gotta, just gotta learn Photoshop first. I don't know, I kind of, like, I, it, it would be fun, but I just kind of like drawing, too. I feel like coloring my work is very fun, but it's also because I can, like, <laughs> like, today, for instance, I was coloring a panel of Haley, and I was like, this doesn't look right. So I just switched, like, the eyes over. Like, I, I switched the position of the iris. It's like, I could never do that to someone else's work. That would be so rude. Like, so <laughs> it's just, like, it's, like, nice being able to, like, finish everything all at once for, like, my art. So I mean I don't know I'd be willing to try it but it's it's kind of a I just I I need to learn photoshop first <laughs>
1: It's like uh, the, I don't know the way you describe. It, it's almost as if you were like learning like a forbidden art. <laughs> like <laughs> you committed the ultimate sin, Emily. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but I, I think that's cool, and the fact that no one's really seen much like this—that's kind of why it works so well. When I saw your work initially, and I always go back to—and I'm going to mention it every single time—was Um, was it Solid Snake or was it um, was it Liquid Snake, right? It was uh, Big Boss. <laughs> it was Big Boss. Okay, I know someone from Metal Gear Solid. I remember watching that video on YouTube going like, holy shit, Like this is so <laughs> damn good.
0: Yeah, it was really fun to do. I, I gotta try some more stuff in that style because it's very, it's very loose and chaotic.
1: Oh boy, but I do appreciate you both taking the time out. And um, Pat, don't you worry about the hijacking because, again, that's something that you want out of talking to creators is you want that excitement. And while it does touch on you know, some little bit more serious subject matter. It would be very kind of off-putting where if both of you were just like, yeah, we did this book. I'm like, it's all right. I'm not sure if anyone's really going to dig it. It's like, no, celebrate the hell out of it. Be, and be excited for your creative team because if not, what's the point?
2: Absolutely. No, I mean, yeah, I totally agree. I push all the work that I do very hard. I believe in all of the work that I do, but yeah, I think that once this drops and people see what it looks like, They're going to be like, oh, okay,
1: okay. Yeah, Emily's not playing around and not are you, Pat. And again, you know, and it's something that I always find rewarding in doing this and especially, you know, talking to creators multiple times and seeing the progression from one project to the next and just seeing it grow and even get you better. So, you know, first off, you know, congratulations to the both of you and looking forward to seeing this. And I'm sure other collaborations will happen and I'll definitely be there when they do.
2: Thank you. Thank Thank you. you
1: let everybody know where they can find more about both of you. If there's any other sites you want to promote and also, you know, one more time where people could check out snap flash hustle.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, the best way to get snap flash hustle is to go to the comic shop, uh, call your retailer, email, go there in person, tell them you want the book. Uh, the only way that these kind of books succeed and these kind being creator own books is, uh, pre-orders, you know, uh, Some some comics buyers believe that they they can go into a shop and just uh, pick out any new release the day of. But the truth is, the comic shop will only know how many to order of a number one if you tell them that you want that book. So uh, if the book looks interesting to you, if the preview pages look amazing, which means that you have eyes in your skull, go go, (laughs) go to (laughs) go to your retailer. Hit them up any way that's best for them. Tell them that you want Snap Flash Hustle number one, two, and three from Black Mass Studios. And uh, as far as my social, you can follow me online at Pat Shan, pretty much everywhere.
0: Follow me at Emishly Art on Twitter and Instagram, E-M-I-S-H-L-Y. Uh, and if you're interested, I post Snap Flash Hustle panels just about like almost every day at this point so if you want to if you want to see him that's a it's a really good place to
1: check him out and please do you'd be morally remiss you know what i will shame you if you do not (laughs) there'll be a lot of disapproving looks which don't really work on audio podcast but whatever but either way i'm not gonna be too happy with you if you don't check out this book support them both and obviously pay your fucking creators (laughs) i'm just gonna say oh but thank you so much for taking the time out and i i know this has been a, a really uh, fun ride for you both and i can't wait to see that book and get it in my hands myself but for now that'll do it for this episode of adrian has issues and we will see you next issue
0: Thank you for listening to Adrian Has Issues. Please visit us on the web at adrianhasissues.com where you can stream and download all of our other great episodes. Like us on Facebook at facebookcom backslash Adrian Has Issues. Follow us on Twitter at Adrian Has Issues and on Instagram at Adrian Has Issues Pod. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and the Laughable Podcast app. Thanks again!